Houston Star of Hope Mission brings you a moment of hope. Could you spare a little hope today? Hi, this is Scott Arthur. Today we have a special guest host, Mr. Hank Rush, President and CEO of Houston Star of Hope, one of the oldest and largest homeless organizations in America. Well, thank you, Scott. I recently came across a book written by a good friend and a loyal supporter of Star of Hope and all that we stand for. His book speaks to the core values of our homeless organization as he examines four steps to hearing God and aligning yourself with His will. It's a fascinating book full of life lessons learned during an inspiring Christian journey, and I wanted to share it with you today. So I've invited the author, Mr. Terry Looper, to join us on this special edition of A Moment of Hope. Terry, welcome. So glad that you're here today. Our privilege and pleasure to be here with you. It's my true joy. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, visit with me about this book and my life and what God's done in my life. First, let's take a few moments and talk about your background and just how that's led to you being the person that you are today. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your life as a businessman back in your early 30s and kind of what your early career days were like. Sure. Well, that was uh, definitely uh, before Christ, uh, even though I thought I was a Christian. And so uh, being from the South, I went to church regularly with Doris and the girls and uh, was even a um, deacon and uh, and prayed so I thought I was a Christian so but my actions uh, didn't point that away and I later found out I wasn't but I was a deal junkie I was a people pleaser I was an overachiever I was um, not a particularly good husband I was an absentee husband I'd say and I was an absentee um, parent when I was home on Saturdays I would uh, I'd had promised them during the week I'd do something with them and then they were I was too tired or worn out to do anything. Mm. But uh, I loved business and I loved deals. And uh, turned out my false God was money and I didn't know it. I actually thought my, the Jesus was my Lord at that time. So were you in a corporation then? Was it your own company? Or were you working for somebody else? What was your work I had like? started with a big chemical company for 10 years. And then I went for, with a small refiner for about a year and then they went bankrupt and then I helped a gentleman start a company, an energy marketing company and I earned sweat equity. Eventually I earned some ownership. I didn't own any when I first started with him and that's where uh, my world got pretty crazy. It was the first time I'd really ever had a chance to make um, as much money as possible with no ceiling on the lid. So I tried too hard and and um, wasn't a particularly good boss either wasn't really a servant heart in any, any way so um, so anyway that's kind of how we got to the point of the Lord wanted me to uh, he'd always wanted me to change my ways but he gave me a really good opportunity to change my ways during that season I was getting dizzy and got to where I couldn't make large decisions I went to the doctor and said I'm dizzy and he said well it's stress and I said well give me some medicine and he said I am um, not going to give you any uh, he said I'm not going to give you any medicine for stress and I thought heck I thought everybody could do that anyway I just went on about my way and then I got to where I couldn't make small decisions continue to stay dizzy 
and then on one Saturday morning I just crashed I found out later I was burned out but I thought I'd lost my mind I thought I'd either had a nervous breakdown or my mind had snapped and would never return to normal mm, my gosh so I was laying in bed and just crying and then I finally got on my knees to say to the Lord please take control of my life because clearly I'd messed it up and I started getting relief pretty fast there but um, I was in I was 36 and that started a whole new journey with uh, the before and after uh, uh, with the Lord in uh, being um, my Lord I found out later that I'd been born again on that when I got on my knees and I thought I was a Christian because of me tithing. I was a deacon and getting ready to be ordained as an elder. So I clearly thought I was a, 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 in a prayed, but I found out I really thought of him as my Santa Claus, where I wanted him to do as a six-year-old want. I want this, I want that. So it was pretty crazy times, pretty scary times for Doris and me. So how do you think of the Lord now? Well, it's a... Uh, I'd say big picture, the book is a love story of faithfulness of my wife and the Lord. They didn't, either one never gave up on me, and yet I was pitiful. So the journey has been uh, just a beautiful, uh, intimate relationship with Jesus where he, it's... Um, the kind of thing I'd love for everybody to have that kind of intimacy with Jesus even sometimes Christians don't have it have never been able to internalize the love of Jesus they've they know the love and for sure a Christian but they've never been able to internalize it and once you're able to do that you become more lovable and more loving like y'all at Star Hope so what are some of the boundaries that the Lord has taught you in, this, in your new relationship with him, your sacred pace process, four steps you talk about in your book? So that's, it sounds like your life is just, you found the Lord in this fresh new way, and your life has just been totally different since then. What's he? he he's taught me a lot of things, and I try to put some of them in the book uh, around boundaries that just help people maybe not uh, go quite as far, fast or hard or some anecdotes around it. but. Um, he the main thing he taught me was these four steps of discerning his will, which is kind of a deliberate process. Uh, uh, he causes you to be patient. He he wants you to, you know, he doesn't answer very fast because he wants you to become dependent and trusting on him. So he doesn't give quick answers as a rule. But there are four steps, and the first step is just uh, consulting your friend Jesus. As I, uh, he says in John 15, 15, he wants to be our friend. And so I go, well, what is a friend? Well, a friend is uh, someone who's a great listener, which clearly he's the best. Someone who loves you, and it's hard to find anybody that can love you as much as Jesus. He helps you be accountable. He, he supports you and um, wants you to just enjoy life and and. Uh, with the fruit of the Spirit. So it's a real blessing to seek Him through prayer. And and you continue, even though that's step one, you continue praying, and you go to step two is is um, gathering the facts. What I find is often my I think my opinion is a fact. So as you pray to 
what I call get neutral. As you pray to want his will more than your own, you'll finally start with good prayer. You'll start seeing that your opinions more opinions rather than facts. You Obviously, the Bible is facts, so you seek that and seek counsel from others. We do a pro-con list, something like that. But you continue to pray. The other thing is I tend to, if I'm not praying to want his will more than my own, I tend to elevate the facts, give facts more importance of the ones I like, and I tend to d- dismiss the facts of the ones I don't want. And But as you're praying to want his will more than yours, you, you, you get more objective and you give them the proper weight. Third step is around watching for circumstances which are of him. Uh, and just seeing which ones get legs, you know, like facts, there's a lot of facts and there's a lot of circumstances every day. So you just watch to see which ones it might be uh, what he's wanting to reveal to you around that. Again, you're continuing to pray um, and consult your friend Jesus. And then the fourth step is the step I call getting neutral, just a phrase I coined, and that's where you really want you finally get to where you really want his will more than yours. You die to self. I mean, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wanted, um, he had a preference. He said, I really don't want to go to the cross and carry uh, the sins of all humankind, but Lord, I'll do whatever you want. So it's normal to have a preference, but you have to eventually get to where you die to self, where you really want his will more than your own. And once, in my case, where that finally happens, he gives me peace in my gut in a way that is all-knowing. It's tangible, it's physical, and, and it uh, gives me the conviction to jump off the cliff. You know, one of the things you have to get to, though, is to really say, if you really want to do his will over your own, you have to decide in your heart, not in your head, who, who God is to you. And in my case, I say he sees the future, and I don't. He knows best, and I seldom do. And he loves me and everybody around me way, way more. So if you can get that from your head to your heart, mm-hmm. I think it's the farthest distance in the world. But if you can get that from your head to your heart, then you start saying, well, why not? Why would I not want to do his will? Well, of course, there's always greed. There's always fear. There's always ego, pride, whatever, but you just keep praying through that and keep surrendering, and then eventually, even though you, I still have those sins, eventually he wins out, and I'm able to discern what he wants. So I've used it in business. I call it my secret weapon in business because so few Christians really align themselves like that. But also, I've had young couples decide whether to have a baby or not, whether timing is right. I mean, parenting, marriage discussions, um, changing careers. I mean, you know, wherever you think God Almighty would bless you with his answer, you kind of go, wow, that'd be be sweet. Um, So that's kind of the process. So, Terry, your your new faith, this this deep abiding faith is really Christ is your Lord, not just your Savior, begin— uh, because of your business challenges and what that was doing right. to your life and your family. Yeah. Yeah. But it's become much more than that and it's just your right. it's your entire walk now, isn't it? Right. I feel very, very blessed that he's been that faithful to me and um that he's been that patient and and that loving 
to me and my family, and it's it's been a sweet journey. He's blessed me in business and life, and I did an interview the other day, and the lady said, you're just a rich man, independent of your wealth, and I said, I, I, I just feel so rich for my relationship with him and, and my family. I feel very blessed. Well, I was blessed to meet you uh, 10 or 11 years ago um, right. with my introduction to Star of Hope to become a, a member of the Star of Hope team. Right. And um, so I've gotten to know you from that standpoint and all the love that you have for ministry in our city and in our world and our country and your great philanthropic um, desire to serve the Lord through your giving and your not only your giving of your resources but your talents and your leadership and, and you're an amazing uh, giver in all those areas well, and we're so you. grateful for the relationship we have with you. You might talk about your philanthropy a little bit more for us and how you view that. Well, as you know, Hank, and I feel the same about you, when you've got this beautiful thing in life, you want to share it. And it, uh, and when you get a, that kind of relationship with the Lord, you, you want to give back. You want to give back to people to have a chance to have the same kind of relationship or if they're out of a job or whatever to try to figure out through Star Hope or whatever how to help them find a job or get their GED or whatever but 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 it's all foundational on that sweet relationship with the Lord where he keeps changing your heart and he keeps loving you and he keeps uh, honoring you and blessing you and and so that's really where my philanthropy kind of starts and ends uh, it's um, how to evaluate where to give the money and how much to give and all those kind of things. But I just I just want people to be blessed, and he's very available to bless. But we all need to sometimes. He wants us to chip in on on his plans in life. He he, and so it's been a joy to do so with Star Hope and others too. Right. So. If someone were to ask you today, what advice would you give them on how to find God's will for their life? Kind of in a nutshell. You've had this amazing 30, 40-year journey. What would you tell someone that just wants to know, what do I do to, to have a faith in Christ? you got to get it out of your head and into your heart, um, however you choose to do that. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, which I'm staggered that the creator of the universe will give you the desires of your heart now you have to delight in him so if you really want to do his will i would qualify that as he would say that delights in him so i would um, uh, seek prayer seek him and he will show you the way i have found and i speak to this in the book that um, pain often is is your is a blessing and as often is your friend so most of my spiritual growth is comes either during or following pain and um so i've kind of accepted it that it's part of life some pain is not a gift but mo essentially all the pain i've had um, to date has been a gift because it's caused me to um, get out of my comfort. You know, I'm just comfortable with who I am, the center I am. So when the pain gets big enough in a certain area, then I choose to change. So kind of embrace the pain. Look, just to say, Lord's got a plan for you around that and do your part. And um, 
the journey is worth it to seek and do his will and he will just bless you beyond uh, your wildest imagination as he has so many Christians in this world. You use the scripture in your book, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I say it, he will direct your path. Uh, that is my scripture from childhood. It was in my childhood Bible. And it has always been my favorite scripture. You didn't know that until today, I don't think. But um, And every time I go to one of the men's commencements at Star of Hope, uh, we pray with the men before they go graduate from their programs, and I've used that scripture for 11 years now. That's a Every great, time, sharing, great we each scripture. go around the room, the pastors that are there, and we share our favorite scripture, and that is mine too. Yeah, and, and so and it's um, a form of getting neutral, as I use that term of turning over, opening your hands, and um, being available and being willing to um, let him bless you through whatever he calls you to go do. Well, the book is amazing. I um, I can hardly endorse it and recommend it to all of our listeners. Well, and, thank you. And I uh, loved reading it. I couldn't put it down. There was a whole weekend. Liz was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading Terry's book because I was just kind of absent and busy, and I just got absorbed in it so much. It's just such a great uh, story of your life and so well expressed and so so heartfelt from your standpoint and and related to me well, very deeply and very, well, I'm in a very special to way express what the Lord really has done to me and how faithful he's been to me. Uh, yeah, threw me some curveballs, but like my burnout, it turned out to be essentially the biggest blessing in my life, obviously my children being born and my marriage, but where I finally got on a path to be a good father and a good husband and a good um, friend to others, um, it, it, it's... Um, I'm just glad to share about what he can do and has done in my life. Who should read this book? Well, that's a good question. I, I really, because I'm a, I'm a Christian entrepreneur, obviously Christian entrepreneurs is somewhat of the niche, but I didn't really realize that when I wrote this. I was really writing it for the average Christian sitting in the pew that does not feel the God or not know how for the Lord to answer their big life questions and that they just throw up these prayers in desperation and don't ever really receive in their mind a clear distinct answer so that is the real reason I wrote that male female young old that he blessed me with a process that I think is teachable and transferable and all-knowing for the average Christian like I was and as I am to bless me with that and I didn't ever want to write a book never planned on writing a book and I had a few friends and bugged me over the years you know the truth is he started teaching me this uh, 30 years ago and, and here I am just now writing the book only only because I just finally got convinced I was supposed to share it with, uh, that particularly that fourth step with others. I think that 30 years is what makes the book so good. Yeah, well, there's, it's, no. it's had a lot of trials to teach me some lessons, that's for sure. And reading your book and seeing and knowing you these years, uh, you're living out everything that, that you talk about in that book. And you're a, as long as you don't ask Doris. 
amazing example of, <laughs> of all this and you have a wonderful family and I'm blessed I'm blessed I yeah I tease I, 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 I tease it on Tuesdays I'm pretty good but uh, <laughs> anyway uh, no she's uh, you know lived with me 50 years now wow. so we got married pretty young and um, it's amazing how the, the, the ladies of our lives um, our dear spouses um, God just uses them and just knows what we need mm. to hear from them and wow um, we learn to keep our mouth shut after a while. Right. We um, right. listen, and we're really um, grateful for what they mean in She's our lives. She's been a She's huge blessing lady. in my life, and very, very faithful uh, in terms of standing by me when I was a jerk and you know a mess. She stood stood strong by me until I finally got the Lord in my heart and could actually start becoming a decent husband and a decent father. So it's been good. It's been good. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, and we're yeah. excited for our listeners to, to hear your story, Terry. And let's all go get his book. I've got it. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's, um, it's launched in the public now, and well, you can get you. it. Tell us where they can get the book. What's the best way to? Well, they can get it at Amazon.com, uh, and you could go to my landing page, I think. It's called sacredpacebook.com. And... Uh, Barnes and Noble. I, I honestly don't know if it's in the store or not. I know I know you can do it online. It, it's the launch days today, so those kind of things I don't I don't know. But I just do want to add what a blessing um, the Star Hope's been in my life is is on the side of uh, being part of the board and part of the giving area and what's uh, what all y'all have done to give life back to the people of Houston in all kinds of ways. Not only the Lord's um, faith that they've received and they've accepted Jesus in their heart, but also helping them to get jobs and helping them to grow in their character and values and in so many ways, learn how to be parents and start that walk all over again, just kind of like I did after my burnout. So Star Hope's always been a soft spot in my heart of the before and after in my life like it can be with the people that you have in in y'all's um, ministry. So thank you for all y'all do. You do a very, very good job of helping these people get started in a new way. So thank you for that. Thank you, Terry. God bless you, and thank you for this special time today. No, thank you. Same to you. A Moment of Hope is produced and presented by the Star of Hope Mission, ending homelessness one life, one family at a time by providing services to more than 1,000 homeless men, women, and children each day in Houston. Could you spare a little hope today? For more information or to donate to the Star of Hope Mission, please visit sohmission.org.